good? Good, good, good. It's lovely to see you. For those of you I haven't met before, my name is Nick and I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, And Chris's parting words to me as I stepped onto the platform this morning were, don't hold back. So, so, get ready. Um, Yeah, Chris is excited about the talk today and hopefully, (laughs) hopefully... uh, this will also grow in you too. Um, so a little uh, spoiler about the talk is that as of yesterday, there wasn't a talk. And all week, I'm like, oh, I'm speaking on Sunday. It would be great if I knew what I was speaking on. Um, and, and then it's just kind of come together. This talk has been happening in my head and heart for some time. Um, but I feel like uh, it's now the time to share this with you guys. And some of you will know that I am going through a a big change right now in life. So I spoke last Sunday and at Saturday Night Church about the fact that God has called me to step out of paid employment with Numa Church and step into... He knows, uh, and he hasn't let on yet what that is for me. Um, So the month is rolling by, and February is approaching, and... uh, I keep waiting for him to say, it's this. And I have a feeling that even when February comes, I still won't know. Actually, that's my instinct. But I'm in a season of blind faith, and that is being underpinned by some things I absolutely know to be true. One is God is good. He's really good. The other is God is faithful. He has never let me down before. And so I'm not supposing he's going to start doing it now. And the other is that he's really generous. So if he's calling me into something that he's not telling me what it is yet, then it's going to be good because that's the kind of father he is. And I'm aware for many of us here, we don't have an experience of that in our fathers. That when we look at a dad, an earthly dad, our experience often is not that they are always good, always faithful, and always generous. And so actually that's a lesson I've had to learn. My dad died when I was two months old, so it was not poor parenting on his behalf. It was an absent dad where I've had to really grip hold of and learn what God is like as father without having a reference point. Um, for what that looks like. And if I'm honest, at 44, I'm still learning, like I'm still learning. But I do know that whilst this season of my life isn't making much sense, I feel really peaceful about it. Most of the time. (laughs) Most of the time. Uh, And some of the time, I feel really not peaceful about it, and I feel fear and panic and a sense of... What if I heard him wrong? And all of the stuff in a busy head. But that's because I'm also human. And I think what I am learning is that my humanity is not a reason to not do things and trust God. I don't need to wait until I feel 100% peaceful before I obey what God is asking me to do. And I think sometimes we're sold a lie that, you know, sometimes the verse in the Bible, let peace be your umpire, is banded around incorrectly, which is a case of, well, you'll know it's God if you feel really peaceful. Well, not necessarily all the time. There's a, there's a gap between our yes and peace, which can sometimes feel like anxiety, but actually, for me, God is teaching me it's a gap called reliance. 
It's a relying on him. It's relying on him for the answer rather than trying to fix the problem. Um, And what has made me smile is that since making the announcement to the church family about this, um, many people have come to me and told me what they think God has got for me next. All lovingly and really well-meaningly, and almost none of them have been the same. Um, So thank you for your help, everyone. Uh, It's been great. (laughs) But the reason I tell you this is I think sometimes when we see something that's unresolved, our desire when we love is to resolve it. And I know out of love, there are many people who are really praying right now that we get resolution to Nick's problem. Um, Because then we all feel better. But the reality is, God is really happy to leave my life unresolved right now. And I'm having to learn how to keep my peace while that happens. Please hear me right. If you feel God speaks to me about my future, please come and tell me. Like, that's absolutely fine. I'm not saying don't tell me, but what I am saying is I think we can all be learning something from how much credence we give to all the voices around us in a time of transition and change and uncertainty rather than actually locking eyes on Jesus and saying, I'm all about what you've got to say. And what I want to speak to you about this morning is if the talk had a title, it would be trusting God when it doesn't make sense. And I think uh, culturally, especially now with phones in our hands, the internet, you know, we can, we can get hold of information at a moment's notice about anything. Absolutely anything. And so we have access to understanding information in a way that generations before us have never had. But what I'm starting to realize is that a quest to understanding can sometimes be a massive barrier in our faith. And what we believe is God might say something or something might happen and our instinct is to ask why. And believe me, I've asked lots of why questions lately. But what I felt specifically this morning is the words I had where there are people here who are stuck in a prison of why. They are desperate to know why, and until they know why, they can't move forward. And that is a problem, because sometimes we're just not designed to understand why. And if you want to look in the Bible for things that make sense, good luck, because most of the Bible doesn't really make sense in the stories of God moving and doing things. In the natural, they don't really make sense. And yet, God moves powerfully. And I think, if anything, we walk away from here this morning, I would love to be that we lay down our right to understand. We've got to lay down our right to understand. Because we get stuck in, but why me? Why that? Why not that? Why is this happening to me? Why are you asking me to do this? Why did that person die when I prayed my breast prayers and that person didn't? Why haven't I been healed yet? Why am I still wrestling out addiction? Why is my mental health not better? Why have you asked me to give financially, God, when I don't have very much already? 
Why, 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 why? We get stuck in why. If you've ever spent time with um, a toddler, I'm a speech and language therapist in one of my other roles, um, and one of the things I hear is that, you know, parents of young children who aren't talking, and I often say to them, I can help you, but once they start talking, you're on your own. Because actually, there is a moment where toddlers and small children discover words and then use them a lot, over and over again. And one of those stages of communication is why. Why? Why? Okay, get your shoes on. Why? Well, we're going out. Why? Well, we're going to the park. Why? That thing, and it's almost built into us from when we're little, a quest to understand why. And I feel like we get stuck in a prison of why. And that's what I want to speak about this morning. For me, there are two things at stake. When we get stuck in why, it hinders our obedience. It hinders our ability to say yes to what God's asking us. And it hinders our relationship with him. Because we start to hold things against God that we don't understand, rather than surrender our not understanding to him. And if you've got your Bibles with you, I'm going to encourage you to go to Proverbs 3, verse 5, starting at verse 5. And it will come up on the screen as well. Chris spoke brilliantly last week about uh, being people that fall in love with the Bible and fall in love with the Word. Uh, And so I would really encourage you, phones are great. And I access my Bible on my phone loads. But there is something about a physical Bible, actually, which there's something about the turning of the pages and the ability to scribble in the margins, uh, which is legal, by the way. You can write in your Bibles. Um, So Proverbs 3. 5 to 10, and it's going to come up on the screen. Let me find it here. (coughs) Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. (laughs) We could just stop there. (laughs) Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you and he will lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with him in whatever you do, and he will lead you wherever you go. Don't think for a moment that you know it all, for wisdom comes when you adore him with undivided devotion and avoid everything that's wrong. Then you will find a healing refreshment for your body that your body and spirit long for. Glorify God with all your wealth, honoring him with your first fruits, with every increase that comes to you. Then every dimension of your life will overflow with blessings from an uncontainable source of inner joy. I mean, I don't know about you. That's the kind of life I'd love to be living Like if someone said to you, I have a life available that has uncontainable inner joy. Would you like it? Yeah. Yes, of course. Of course we would like that. But what's fascinating is the conditions that come with that. I think very often we are like, God, I want your joy. And he's like, okay, trust me. Don't rely on your own understanding. Submit yourself to me in everything. And we're like, no, no, I just want your joy now. And he's like, "Uh uh-huh. So first, it's really clear. I even wrote it down for you. It's really clear. First, 
Submit yourself to me. Be devoted to me. Adore me. Not because he's some kind of narcissist, but because our hope, our joy, our life, our peace is found in surrender and reliance to him. It's not difficult, and it's difficult. What I I should say is, it's straightforward, but it's difficult. But it is straightforward. And I think sometimes, especially in churches, we make it really complicated. And it's just really not complicated. It's really not complicated. Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. How many of us like to have an opinion? (laughs) How many of us like to be right? What if your breakthrough and inner joy was found on the other side of you having to be right? What if you were just able to surrender your being right into being submitted and obedient into God's authority on your life? What about that? I think your relationships would look a lot better if you surrendered your right to be right And instead submitted yourself to God. How do you want me to love that person? I wasn't going to say this actually, but um, it has come to mind on that. And I will share with you recently, I have started to do a little bit of writing, just a bit of free writing. And, And I have started to be moved by the idea of how we love people who are difficult to love. The Bible is unapologetic about love everyone. The Bible does not list, and God certainly does not list, love those people, those people, those people, those people. Mm, No, not so much. And um, I'm doing some freelance work at the moment uh, at a local residential provision for um, children who have experienced extreme trauma. Um, And what I see in that environment is children and young people who their behavior and choices can make it hard for people to love them well. Um, And the thing about understanding is it can help you love well, but God says, I want you to love well even when you don't understand. So there is one student who I know at a very young age arrived at residential care, very young age, in handcuffs and sedated because they were so out of control and being violent. I mean, I have other questions. And that child is now older and displaying violent behaviour and is hurting adults. Now, if I showed you a picture of the moment that that child arrives handcuffed and sedated as a small child, I think we would all agree that we would feel compassion for them. Would you? Like, that just shouldn't ever happen, right? No child's life should be that horrendous that they are having to be contained in that way in order to be safe and keep others safe. But now I want you to imagine that that child is now 20 and holding you at knife point, asking for your money in order to buy drugs. How easy are you finding it to love them now? 
Now, I have the benefit of understanding because I've read the case notes. So my ability to love that young person is enhanced by the fact I know that there is great, great trauma that happened in their childhood. That means I can find a place of compassion. The problem is, as I'm saying this morning, we have to lay down our right to understand. And when we come across people who hurt us and who treat us badly and who don't follow the moral code that we would like them to... We may never know or understand what's happened, but they are absolutely worthy of our love. Absolutely, unapologetically worthy of our love. And we start putting conditions. And this child is still young. But it's like I saw God show me a film of their life and ask me at what point they tipped over from being the victim to the perpetrator. But the truth is, they're still the same created being. They're still a son or daughter of the God of all of heaven. The problem is that we, as his children, don't treat people that way. And one of the things I feel like is keeping some people in prison is their bitterness and offense towards people that has hurt them, that have hurt them, because it's like a why me? Why me? And I am not diminishing abusive behavior at all. Absolutely, people's choices and behavior can be wrong and hurtful and abusive. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is the church needs to get better at seeing people through God's eyes even when we don't understand their behavior and their choices. We've got to. Do you know why? Because I feel like as a church family... God is preparing us to be seeing people come through the door who are not straightforward to love. More of them. Many, many more of them. And we have a choice at that point. We can do a Sunday morning smile and wave. So pleased you're here. So pleased you're here. So lovely to see you. And in our hearts be thinking, oh, I don't want to hang around near them. Or we can surrender our hearts to the way God loves people. And be obedient even though we don't understand. And pour ourselves into their lives. And I think it's going to get really uncomfortable. And bring it on, is what I say. It's quiet this morning, isn't it? (laughs) It's quiet. We've got to lay down our right to understand in order to act like Jesus. We've just got to. I'll act like you when I understand why. How about act like Jesus anyway? I'll act like Jesus when I understand uh, what the outcome will be. How about just act like Jesus anyway? Yeah, but I could be really loving and that the person could treat me really badly. Absolutely. Is God not able to deal with that and deal with you and deal with them? Absolutely. The season I'm in at the moment is a season of a blind yes. And I spoke at Saturday Night Church about the moment of saying yes before you know. And that's an obedience thing. But I feel like the relational bit 
where it says in Proverbs where we read it, become intimate with him in whatever you do and he'll lead you wherever you go. Adore him with undivided devotion and avoid everything that's wrong. How can you be intimate with and give your undivided devotion to someone you're offended at? Turns out this is a different talk. This is, <laughs> this is news to me, everyone. I just keep looking like, nope, it's not on there. If you're going to be devoted to someone, you have to be unoffended at them. And if you feel like God didn't step in and do something the way you wanted and you didn't get your way and you're holding that against him because you don't understand why he either did something or didn't do something, you will be offended at God. And what you're also doing is attributing the fact that you think you can understand the world at the same level God can. Newsflash, you can't. You absolutely can't. But if we go through life putting ourselves as equal with God, well, I know what's best for that person. I know what's best for me. I know what's best for that person. And then God does it differently. Then it gets our back up a little bit. And again, we can smile and wave. But the reality is we get a little bit offended and annoyed at hearing no or not being told the whys. The Amplified Version of the Bible puts it like this. Trust in and rely confidently on the Lord with all your heart. And do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways, know and acknowledge and recognize him. And he will make your path straight and smooth, removing obstacles that block your way. I've said it a number of times, I'm just going to say it again. We've got to lay down our right to understand in order to trust God. Uh, my mum's here today, and I'm sure she could think of many examples of, as children, decisions that were made for us as children that were made in our best interests that we disagreed with. <laughs> I'm one of six girls. Uh, I mean, pray for my mum. Um, <laughs> a lot of girls with a lot of opinions and a lot of right to have our own way and understand. But if you've been around small children, you know sometimes you're making a decision for them that says, no, you can't have three packets of biscuits, where actually, (laughs) I'm looking over my own daughter here who's like, oh, why can't I have three packets of biscuits? Um, Because I'm making a decision from a place of a greater understanding But it doesn't always feel good when someone makes a choice or decision for us that's for our best, but we don't agree with. So there's another symptom of offense against God, is when God has made a decision or a choice in our life that's for our best, but we don't agree with it. Very briefly, I'm going to share with you, when we moved to um, plant what was... Asher Vineyard, now Numa Church. We came from uh, South End in Essex. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know, you can always tell when there's Essex people in a room because you mention somewhere in Essex and they're like, yeah! You don't think you get that in Surrey. That's just my um, suggestion. Anyway, 
So we, um, we felt God call us here to start a church. We didn't know a single person. It was a real moment of blind faith. Uh, Lucy was about 16 months at the time. I was 38 weeks pregnant with Mads. Um, and we were moving away from absolutely everybody we knew and everything we knew. Um, and like I said, the only person we knew was the estate agent that sold us our house. But we were being obedient to what God had said. And then we arrived, and I worked for the NHS back in Basildon. And uh, <laughs> there it is. Uh, and uh, I basically had five to six months maternity leave. And the beauty of the NHS is that you don't have to leave the organisation effectively as long as you, fi- you can be on maternity leave for the NHS and then find another NHS job and effectively transfer it over there as a gift. Um, so in my head, I was like, there's not enough speech therapists in the world. This is not going to be tricky. I mean, recruiting to the NHS, people are biting your hand off. You've got some experience. So I thought, plant a church, have a baby, get a job. That was my plan. Uh, turns out, uh, there were not really jobs available in this area. And so uh, I was looking and there was nothing. And then I applied for a job that I didn't really want. Uh, and I was more than qualified for. And then didn't get the job. And I was very annoyed at God. Um, Because it didn't make any sense on paper. It didn't make any sense. So what happened was my maternity ran out and then I had to start driving back to Basildon from Ashford uh, three days a week with a newborn baby, a toddler. Chris was working at a local school. Uh, To make matters worse, we'd we'd live the country dream, which also involved no gas, which meant coal central heating, which meant that... On a cold morning, getting up to joyfully shovel coal into a heating system before feeding your children and then driving to Essex. You can imagine my joy, my inner joy, um, at this unfolding. And you know what? I was really annoyed at God. Like, so annoyed. I properly threw my toys out the pram. I was like, I have given up my life for you. I said yes to you. I'm doing all this for you, by the way. And it turns out all I need is a job here, and you can't even do that. It was like, I mean, I wish it was prettier than that. It really wasn't pretty. As I angrily sat in the traffic at the Dartford Crossing three times a week, twice a day, um, But there was another story unfolding, and that was, at the time, my stepdad was very, very unwell uh, and was being cared for at home by my mum. And uh, us having moved away, there were other family members local, but when you're throwing yourself into planting a church and you have very small children and working, your accessibility to just pop home is limited. And so... What was unfolding was, in this season where I couldn't find a job and I was driving back to Basildon Hospital, uh, every lunch break on those days, I had the opportunity to go home. And I had the opportunity to spend time with a man who uh, was loving and a bit complicated. I think you'll agree. Um, But you know what? I got to know more of who he actually was in those final months than I think I really knew from when he came into my life much earlier. And it's because I had an opportunity. And it also meant that I could give my mum a break sometimes and go and sit with him at lunchtime. And then the time came where he, he had heart failure, that he died, 
And within two weeks, a job that was my perfect job came up in Ashford that then actually went on to be a place where I got to really thrive in my work. And some of the first people we saw come through the doors of the church were my colleagues in that job who were starting to encounter Jesus in their own lives. So it turns out I didn't know the whole picture. (laughs) But it didn't stop me being angry. And I just want to land on that, really. I, I, in many ways, I feel like this has been one of the worst talks I've ever given. Um, but at the same time, I'm going to be unapologetic about it because I feel like the reason for that is just the same message over and over and over again. And if you've ever spent time with uh, children or adults, you know that you have to say things a few times before it actually starts to sink in. So I'm going to say it again. We've got to lay down our right to understand. We are not God. And this conference that Francis mentioned that we went to, there's a brilliant guy called uh, Tim, who's the executive pastor there. (laughs) He got up to do a session. And he said, sometimes people have really empowering, exciting narratives. It's like their thing, their catchphrase, if you like. Like, oh, you know, so-and-so, he says that. He said, mine is, it's not about you, get over it. (laughs) And uh, he said, it's not always very popular. But you know what? It's really true. If we are surrendering ourselves to God, it turns out it's not about you. Get over it. And so when things aren't going our way, yes, we can be sad and we can be angry. But it turns out it's not about us. It's not about us. It's not about us. And if you're starting to feel really offended at God, you're probably making it about you. And would you just surrender to trust that he is the father who created you, that knows you intimately. He knows everything about you. He is good and he has good plans for your life. Fix your eyes there. And then you'll stop being offended as much. And then you might actually start to be able to engage your heart with how he sees you and what he's like as a father. Let's stand. Chris, are you able to just jump up on keys? I mean, look how multi-talented he was. He was on bass this morning. Now he's on keys. This is my husband, by the way. I meant to tell you, don't panic, everyone. We're still married. I've had an issue with my wedding ring. And, um, and uh, do you know what? I saw someone earlier in the week, and they did like, are you okay? And I was like, yes. And they were like, are you sure you're okay? I was like, yes. And then they just looked down at my hand, and I was like, oh, oh no, I'm fine. We're still married. Um, yeah, it's good news. We're still married. Okay, I'd love for us to just have, a, we've got an opportunity now to respond to this. So just still your heart, still your mind. And I would love for you to ask the bold question of God, where have I become offended with you? Where didn't I get my way? Where am I holding on to, needing the answer to my why question before I'll trust you again?
Father God, I thank you for the stories we read in the Bible that remind us that you operate outside of our understanding. That when people surrendered understanding and chose obedience, they saw incredible miracles. Incredible miracles. Father, we want to be a people who see incredible miracles. And we don't want it to be about us. I specifically feel like there are people here who have had someone close to them that has died or has left. And your why and your why me has been really justified. But God says, would you please put it down now? Would you please put it down? We often talk about a physical posture of receiving. I encourage you to put a hand on your heart, put hands out in front of you, kneel, stand, whatever. It doesn't matter what it is, but it's an engagement. It's a moment of physical engagement. you feel able, just pray out loud with me. Father, I lay down my right to understand. Father, I lay down my right to understand. Just pray it over and over. Father, I lay down my right to understand. I lay down my right to understand. I lay down my right to understand. You are good. I fix my eyes on you. You are good. Asking why is good, but getting stuck in why is not good. I feel like we are being asked as a community at the the beginning of this year, we did some stuff at Consecrate of getting ourselves right in order to step into what God has. And one of the things I think we need to get ourselves right is to repent, which means change our thinking is to change our thinking on our pride and our arrogance where we think we just know best. We do not know best. We do not know best. Again, if you feel able to pray with me, Father, I lay down my right to be right. Father, I lay down my right to be right. I lay down my right to be right. see a picture of a child coming to a parent who's hurt and they say but I don't understand and the parent says it's okay come here it's not about explanations it's about entering into that place of comfort and connection
So Ruth uh, and I agree feels that there are some people here who you have been really wronged. Like that like that child I mentioned. You've been really wronged. There's been abuse in your past and you have understandably got caught up in why me or why did God allow that to happen to me or why and that actually as Ruth has just said we don't understand why and we should not try and make up a reason we don't need to fill in a narrative for that but what we do know is God is for you he is with you he is on your side and he is desperate for you to step into freedom if you can just trust him. So if that is you, this is our personal one-to-one moment with you and God where you say, I don't know why me, but I do want to choose you. And if there is anybody here this morning who you don't understand why there are a bunch of people worshipping and praising Jesus when your experience of what you think God is like does not line up with that. But you want to lay down your right to understand and say, I want to choose to follow you, God. I'm laying down my right to understand the answers to all my questions But my heart says I want to know what it is like to fix eyes on the King of Kings and to be loved. And say I want to give my life to that. If you've never done that before and you want to do that and lay your understanding down but say yes. I would encourage you just to come to the front now. It's really brave. But just come to the front as an act of I'm laying down my questions. And you know, one day you might get the answers, but you might not. So David has a picture of people who have a padlock over their mind and it's caused by overthinking. The overthinkers among us will know what that feels like. And actually what God is wanting to do is break that open through prayer that says I'm laying down my overthinking and I'm surrendering and then as he said and choosing to trust, choosing to step into relationship with God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you that you are a gentle and kind and powerful God. And as Francis spoke about closing a door, we choose today 
as family to close a door on our offense and hurt and disappointment and bitterness at where you haven't done things our way. And we give you permission to do it your way for every day of our lives from here on. We don't just tolerate it, we invite it. Have your way, God. Have your way. So we are going to draw to a close there. But if you are meeting with God and you're doing business with him, please don't hurry away. You can stay in this place as long as you need to. Um, If you would like someone to stand with you in prayer over something, we've talked about some really difficult stuff today in terms of abusive past, disappointments, grief, pain. Uh, This is family. Please don't leave here carrying that on your own. If you want to talk to someone about that or have some prayer for that, please just make your way forward after the service and we'll find someone that can pray with you. But I do believe that this is one of the keys to us unlocking breakthrough in Ashford and as a church is where we stop holding God to ransom over the answer to our questions. And so I encourage you as you go from here, keep doing business with God. Don't be like me and throw your toys out the pram and get annoyed. Like it's, He's got big enough shoulders. He can totally take it, by the way. Um, and he's not angry. He just says, I've just got something better. If you just stop bringing it all to me and throwing it at me and listen, I've got something better. Thank you for listening to Numa Sunday's podcast. For more information, go to numachurch.uk where you can find more ways to connect with us. Have a great week and remember you're loved.